If you've ever thought that we now live in a time and place where it's never been harder to raise healthy teenagers, you'll get no argument from most parents. But today's dystopian-like society might be making it impossible. If you're a frequent listener to Licensed to Parent, you know the answer to that. Today, we'll be talking with Tom Kirstein, who also believes in the possibility of raising healthy teenagers. So if you understand the need for equipping your child to navigate the pitfalls and dangers of teen life in a world gone mad, you've turned to the right place. This is Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm glad you've joined us for another edition of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host is Trace Embry. He is the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill and also the author of The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill. I'm Michelle Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. You know, Trace, few people get to see the fallout of a society gone mad more than you and your team at Shepherd's Hill. Shepherd's Hill Academy is actually a proving ground for the hope that so many parents and their kids seem to have lost in recent times. What do you see as being the greatest beacon of hope to the millions of families who will never get to experience a place like Shepherd's Hill Academy? Yeah, well, as politically incorrect as this is going to sound, uh, I make no apologies when I say that the greatest beacon of hope for parents, kids, and the world is for all of the above to accept and submit their lives to that beacon of light who has always been the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ isn't called the wonderful counselor, the great physician, and the prince of peace for nothing. I mean, if there's any liability or, or risk in this beacon of hope, it's in the misfortune of not putting our full trust in him. At Shepherd's Hill Academy, we, we, we can get kids to behave themselves relatively quickly, uh, but it isn't until they genuinely encounter the risen Christ that you see healing and life transformation that can't be matched. And I know this because I've seen the process and result of secular paradigms. I mean, sure, uh, they too can uh, affect a measure of healthy thinking in kids, a measure of change. But if you look close, it's, it's when uh, it's basically commensurate with uh, their teaching that's in league with the principles of Scripture. For healthy thinking to become Junior's idea, now that's, that usually comes from spiritual transformation. And the neat thing mm-hmm. is that nobody is cramming religion, or Jesus for that matter, down their throats. I mean, Jesus himself wouldn't do that. He's, he's not doing that today. He didn't do it back then. I think this spawns hypocrisy in the church when, when, we, when we do this. And, and a lot of the church is guilty mm-hmm. of that. Uh, it, it is a justified criticism. Yet, as much as I despise hypocrisy inside the church, I wouldn't trade it for the brand of hypocrisy going on outside the church these days, I'll tell you that. And though I'm the first to say that the devil does his best work inside the church, he still does the lion's share of it outside the church. Mm -hmm. But it's not the organization of the church that I'm trying to lift up. It's the organism that is the church that I'm lifting up. And that's Jesus Christ. And he is our only salvation, like it or not, believe it or not. Well, our guest today to help us understand how to raise healthy teenagers, Trace, is Tom Kirstein. Tom is a nationally renowned licensed psychotherapist, family counselor, 
author, educator, and he is a regular guest expert on many national television shows and talk shows. He also lectures throughout the country, offering expert insight and advice for parents, children, and educators. Tom is also the founder and owner of Valley Family Christian Center in Park Ridge, New Jersey, and he and his wife have two teenage children. And his latest book is Raising Healthy Teenagers, Equipping Your Child to Navigate the Pitfalls and Dangers of Teen Life. Well, Tom, welcome back to the License of Parent broadcast, brother. Hey, well, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Hey, and congratulations on the book. Yeah, much appreciated. No, absolutely. What do you see uh, as a couple of the main issues facing teens today? And why do you think this is? So my previous book, Trace Disconnected, we talked about that a couple of years back, you know, really, you know, covers the whole landscape of digital technology, social media, and so forth. This book I took to the sort of the next level where I really tried to underscore all of the things that our kids, preteens and teens are facing this day. And the first chapter uh, is called Mental Freedom. And what I mean by mental freedom is the fact that kids mm. don't really understand thought or how to think. Instead, they're sort of being thought. Mm-hmm. Their thoughts are being done for them. And, and thinking, which, which, which occurs in repose, in a silence, in a, in a prayer format, is the, what I call the rest of the iceberg. You know, really understanding mm-hmm. self-esteem and so forth. So I think it's, you know, that, that first chapter is just, you know, critically important, you know, to, for parents to, to really teach their children how to just be. And that's what thought is. That's what spirituality is. That's why we're called human beings. Right. And, you know, uh, one of the things that kind of gets uh, the parents' attention when I, we just had our Shepherd's Hill Parent Conference here recently uh, is the idea that, um, you know, when you ask kids if they can do homework without headphones on, without listening to music or watching TV, uh, almost all of them will say, no, they, they, they got to have headphones. They got to be watching TV or listening to music. And, um, you know, I think this is a systemic problem because everyone, well, they used to know that uh, we do our best thinking, our contemplative thought, critical thought in silence. Um, but kids are kind of uncomfortable being in, uh, in silence today. I mean, this is why libraries would tell you to, hey, be quiet. People are trying to study, right? Is that not indicative of a systemic attention deficit problem, which I want to get into the anodonic state of, of our American culture, adults and kids alike, but isn't that indicative of a, of, a, of a systemic problem inherent in who we are as a citizenry? Well, it's interesting because when I'm lecturing, I get that question all the time from kids and parents. Well, my son or daughter wants to wear mm-hmm. headphones all the time when they're doing their homework and so forth. Is, is that okay? And I give the example, I go to the gym pretty much every day. And when I'm on the elliptical machine, I'm the only one in the gym that's not listening to music or distracted. <laughs> I, I, I actually put those foam noise canceling things in my ears so I could block out the background music playing and I could delve inward and go into a deep meditative prayer state and, and, and put forth, you know, my inner spirit and being and use imagery and so forth. So if I don't have those things in, in that background and Van Halen comes on, all right, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm totally checked yeah. out of myself. And our kids today, that's part of the issue to know, you know, they're constantly distracted and, and what they are essentially distracted from is self itself. Hmm. Yeah. And they're losing their critical, constructive and creative thinking capacities. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, the, uh, the, the device is doing all of the thinking for them. We're teaching our kids what to think or they're teaching themselves what to think. Uh, we're not teaching them how to think. And there's been studies, uh, lots of studies 
that show that, that kids are, are very, very uncomfortable being isolated in, in, in contemplative thought. They just, they don't want to deal with themselves. Why is this? Is it just because it's so foreign to them? Well, you know, I actually have a, an example in, in the new book where, um, I forget where it was, some uh, university did a little experiment where they uh, collected a bunch of people and had them sit in a room in silence for 10 minutes just to see how they would experience mm-hmm. the pure joy of being in the silence. There's also a little shock mechanism that they could utilize. And all of the people, every one of them resorted to shocking themselves because sitting in, in the silence for 10 minutes was more torturous than the shock itself. <laughs> uh, and, and, the, yeah, and the reason for that, you know, that's a, that's a landscape, that, that nowness, that sitting in silence, um, that if you've never mm. done, okay, and then you attempt to do it, it's going to be terrifying because your subconscious mind, which puts out about 60,000 yeah. thoughts a day, is going to go all over the place. Fear, doubt, worry, mm-hmm. this, that. But with practice, you know, we can channel our own thinking. We could discover what I call that rest of the iceberg below the surface, which is where all of our resources are, our motivation, our confidence, our joy, our happiness. That's where it all is. None of it is an outside-in thing. It's only an inside-out thing. Yeah. So, Tom, how do you coach your kids? Because you have two teenagers. How do you coach your kids to sit in silence for a bit? Well, you know, my, I've, both my kids, I dr- I've driven to school their whole life, right? So the high school is like 15 minutes away. I did that with my son when he was home. I do that with my daughter. I have regular daily conversations with my kids about this stuff, you know, so I, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and it's probably the, the number one most important rule that I have in my household and that I preach to every parent that I'm speaking to. Uh, is not allowing those phones to be in the bedrooms at night with kid, uh, for our kids. Right. <clears throat> These kids are up to one, two, three o'clock in the morning every night. The parents don't know it. They tell me this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, a great deal of their problem, and, and this is uh, addressed in a book by Dr. Archibald Hart. Uh, I think the book's called uh, Sleep, It Does a Person Good or something like that. Uh, most, a lot of kids, more than anyone wants to believe, are actually sleep-deprived. And um, uh, it one of the manifestations of uh, sleep deprivation, because particularly girls are sleeping with these things under their phone because of the f- whole FOMO thing, uh, is, a, is is schizophrenia. They they then they go to the doctor and the doctor gives them meds for schizophrenia, and the, and the problem really is their their phone addictions and their and their sleep depravity. Um, but he, Hart also writes a book. Uh, I think his book came out in 2007, called Thrill to Death. And he claims that, claimed back then, uh, before smartphones, it was just the internet and TV and blah, 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 uh, that we were basically uh, people who were addicted to pleasure, but an anhedonic effect had taken place in 80% of the population, adult and child, where we just, uh, we can't experience pleasure anymore because we've almost pleasured ourselves into imbecility. And he, he calls it uh, kind of like a, you know, we, we refer to it as uh, you know, digital addiction or uh, uh, d- a deficit disorder or whatever. But he claims that anhedonia is an issue that most doctors only understand as it relates to addiction, schizophrenia, and depression. But there's a 21st century anhedonic state in pretty much at this, in 2023, everyone, it's just a matter of degree, unless you're Amish maybe, um, that... Addiction, schizophrenia, and depression are outworkings of the anhedonic state that everyone's in. We're, we're just stimulated too often, too much, all the time. Um, can you speak to that? I can. So I have a, a, a chapter in this book about behavior and conduct issues. 
So I have seen more oppositional defiant behavior in the last couple of years than I've ever seen in my life at my private practice. Mm. 12, 13 year old boys mm. freaking out on their parents, cursing, punching holes in walls. So well, when I was doing the research for the book, you know, a couple of things struck me. Number one is that what are our children exposed to all day long? Everything's caught on camera nowadays. Every bad mm -hmm. act, every mugging, carjacking, murder, and it funnels right down to social media. We're talking with Tom Kirstein today about his book, Raising Healthy Teenagers, Equipping Your Child to Navigate the Pitfalls and Dangers of Teen Life. It's time for a break, but we'll be back with more right after this. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherds Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. Hi folks, Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago. Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper -bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to his word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a residential treatment center for troubled teens. You want to know more? Check out LicensedToParent.org. We're talking today with Tom Kirstein. His latest book is Raising Healthy Teenagers, Equipping Your Child to Navigate the Pitfalls and Dangers of Teen Life. And that came out just a little earlier this year. And just before the break, we were talking with Tom about behavioral and conduct issues, especially what our kids are being exposed to on their digital devices. And Tom, you were just heading back, or you were, and Tom, you were just starting off on your second point, helping us understand further about the, the behavioral issues. Yeah, so it's just, you know, I left off talking about how, you know, the, the total, you know, consuming nature of, of bad stuff that our kids are digesting all day long, you know, desensitizes them to that and almost makes in their mind these behaviors to be like normal, right? The second part that I talk about in the book 
is something known as, as brain homeostasis, okay? So all of these apps, all of these games and so forth are intentionally designed to target the pleasure-seeking part of the brain that produces dopamine. Now, dopamine is the feel-good chemical in the brain, and it's, it's associated with every addiction. So this brain homeostasis, which goes back through evolution when things were more scarce, you know, allows the brain to have a balance so there's not too much dopamine or too little. However, with our kids and even adults nowadays getting a never-ending IV drip of, of dopamine from these devices and so forth, when that stimuli is removed, in this case, the, the phone, the social media site or the, or the game, when that's removed, it leads to a crash, a withdrawal effect, which manifests itself behaviorally. Mm. So most of these oppositional defiant things I'm seeing is when mom and dad have had enough and they say, all right, give me the phone or give me the video game system. And it's, it's a natural, you know, it's, it's, it's expected to happen because of this, this imbalance that has not taken place. Yeah. And then when the kid acts out, parents too often then cave because they don't want to deal with the holes in the wall and you know, other, other things like that, it, which is really insane if you ask me. Uh, but one of the things that's even crazier than that is, you know, a lot of parents, there are now companies, Gab Wireless, there's Pinwheel, uh, Techless is another one, uh, that are pro they're providing phones that don't have uh, internet access, and yet parents are still opting to give kids smartphones. I don't quite understand that. And they say that they, they don't, the reason they don't want to take their smartphone from their kid is that uh, one of the big reasons is they don't want their child ostracized at school for not having one. And then they give them a device uh, with, with social media on it 24-7, which is basically ostracism central. Uh, what are they thinking, Tom? Or, or is it just their own uh, clouded uh, perspective because of their own digital addiction? Yeah, you know, the big thing is really social conformity. You know, and I, I actually mm -hmm. talked about that in the previous book, Disconnected. We, we just tend to do what everybody else does, right? So it's like a school of fish. Every, every fish turns simultaneously Lemmings. at the same time. That's, yeah, that's how human beings operate. So, you know, every parent, I've never had a parent come up to me at, at a lecture and say, the best thing I ever did was get my kid a smartphone. They say it's the worst thing they've ever done. Mm. You know, so it, it really, it's got to start. And when I'm out there talking, um, you know, it really needs to, it, it's very difficult individually. So it really needs to start collectively. And, you know, I introduced something called a, a mm. phone-free school zone pledge that schools could put forth uh, to parents when their kids are in kindergarten and first grade, where they could sign that. And as a community, everybody can agree, we're not going to get my kid a smartphone, you know, until uh, late adolescence. Mm -hmm. And some schools are doing that now. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's a good collective measure. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I know Texas and uh, mm -hmm. uh, Florida, uh, they're starting to come up with some legislation to... Um, to finally move in the direction of some some uh, halfway normal uh, laws about this stuff and kids. I mean, you you know, I, I said this before. I said, matter of fact, I said it a thousand times before. You can't pull the lever on a slot machine until you're 21 years old, and yet we're giving these addictive adult toys to our kids. Carte blanche, it, it, you know, unfettered access. It makes no sense. But I'd like to uh, shift gears here a little bit and talk a little bit about uh, some drug issues. I got a kind of a unique perspective on some of this. I would appreciate your thoughts on it. You know, when you, when you think of the garden variety pot smoker, uh, it used to be that your, your mind immediately pictured, a, uh, you know, a, a typical burnout stoner type guy. But today we see certain people who seem, actually, they actually seem, seem sharp, witty, fit, and very successful, who openly talk, even brag about their regular marijuana consumption. 
what gives here, Tom? Are, are, are there some people whose body chemistries aren't adversely affected by, the, by you know, what study after study shows to be harmful to most people? Well, I think where it started, so Trace, if I, go, if I can go back 10 or 15 years ago, and I, if I grabbed 10 random kids off the street and said, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts about marijuana? Nine out of 10 would have said no good. If I grabbed 10 kids off the street today and said, what are your thoughts about marijuana? Nine out of 10 would say it's harmless. Um, and, that's, right. and that really started when it started when, when it started getting glorified by celebrities and then politicians, you know, sunk their teeth into it and started legalizing it so they could make money and so forth. So it really created this mindset that, hey, it's legal. You know, marijuana is harmless. But the reality is that when THC, the, the, the THC levels in marijuana in the early 1990s was about three to four percent. It's now nine. It's now 90 percent up to 90. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Ooh. Yeah. And, and what, what's uh, what I'm seeing now, which I've never seen before. Um, I've seen many cases of something known as cannabis-induced psychosis. In fact, mm-hmm. there, are more hospi- there are more hospital visits per day across the country for people experiencing cannabis-induced psychotic episodes than for any other drug. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, and what's scary about that, for any individual that has had a cannabis-induced psychotic episode, um, if they continue to use marijuana after that, they now have a 50% chance of developing permanent schizophrenia. But this is stuff people oh, don't know boy. about. Because it's glorified, there's money behind it, and it's just not what it used to be. Right. Now, listen, I, I, I want you to track with me here, because this, this could get a little weird. Since the 1960s, you know, when pot really became a thing, um, we've now had three to four generations of offspring since the hippie generation, okay? Many who have followed in their parents, their grandparents, even their great-grandparents' footsteps with respect to their attitudes, actions, abuses, and addictions toward, toward marijuana use. So in in light of the absolute insanity, systemic insanity that we're seeing in in today's society with boys thinking they can be girls and vice versa and addictions of all kinds, kids thinking they're cats and adults playing along with it, uh, all this politically correct nonsense, is it possible that a generational plague at the cellular level, a biological, epigenetic, spiritual plague or malady that has tilted the thinking of today's emotionally fragile third and fourth generation of drug-addled people, people who are now the movers and shakers of our society, our educators, our legislators, our dentists, our scientists, our businessmen, uh, media personnel, entertainers, lawyers, judges, prosecutors, mental and mental health professionals, even clergy. Is it possible that drugs have genuinely poisoned the hearts, minds, souls, and spirits of half our citizenry, causing us to come to these incredibly insane conclusions that the, the sane half of the citizenry has to dance along with to keep from uh, getting you know blackballed or fired from their jobs? I think we've become insane in general, but I think well, yeah. we're, I'm hoping we can return back to sanity. Yeah, but even you know, you look at even just pharmaceuticals, yeah. right? You know, even before the you know the, the the shot mandates and all that, every commercial you saw was go get the COVID vaccine, go get it. You know, and that's repetitive. Right. It's very hypnotic. That's very hypnotic. Any message that is that is continuously you know sent to mm-hmm. anyone or a group of people, it, it gradually secures itself at a subconscious level, and we simply respond to it. It's like riding a bike. When you teach your kid how to ride a bike. When they're four or five years old, they don't know how to ride the bike. They have to consciously figure it out. And then once they learn how to do that, they don't, they don't have to think about it anymore. It's just automatic. Okay, so this stuff is getting into our limbic system then. I mean, we're, we're, we're doing this unconsciously. We're, we're, we've, like lemmings, we've bought into uh, an insanity as normal. I mean, is it normal for a, uh, an alcoholic to be drunk? Yes, but is it normal to be an alcoholic? No. And I think that's where we're at. And 
You know, I was watching uh, Jason Whitlock uh, on, a, yep. on a talk show the other day, and, um, you know, he he just seems so discouraged and throwing in the towel like we need to basically have a civil war and secede from the the insane half of the population. And I'm not saying I agree with that, but, you know, th- this is a guy who's a pretty intelligent guy. He's got his finger on the pulse of what's going on. Is there any hope uh, outside of a miraculous intercession by God himself that we can get our nation back on track with, with what used to be called common sense anymore? Because without common sense, it's real hard to teach your kid much about anything. That's, that's the biggest missing ingredient is common sense in our society right now. And, you know, when you have a message or a movement or whatever it is that's constantly just pushed down your throat all day, every day. You know, and you get canceled if you disagree with it. Or you're called anti this or anti that, right? Yeah. What I'm starting to see now is so everybody's sort of been in the background because they're afraid of getting canceled and all this other stuff. But I'm starting to see people finally stand up and say, "All right, enough of this nonsense. This this enough, this is yeah. not common sense. This is not biology. I think it's evil. A lot of this stuff." Well, I'm glad you said that. I'm, that was the next word out of my mouth. Evil. This is a spiritual problem. We we say, well, it's a mental health crisis. Well, the mental health crisis, you know, let's back it up a notch. This is a spiritual problem. And, you know, I, I want to jump from marijuana to mushrooms real quick. We don't have much time because I talk to a lot of kids who have done mushrooms. And I, I'm really concerned that there's something in the bloodstream at the, at the cellular level with some of these people who are, you know, third and fourth generation hippie descendants. And you've probably experienced this. When someone's doing mushrooms, they'll say it's the closest thing to God they ever experienced. That's a common theme. And the thing that really trips my trigger is when they'll say this, I am so comfortable with this, now I'm not afraid to die. I hear that regularly. Now, if you're the devil and there is a spiritual world, a good and an evil, a right and a wrong, what more powerful statement would you want to hear from the people you're trying to overcome is now I'm not afraid to die. That's actually scary. <laughs> you know, people yeah. think of, you know, a hallucinogenic drug. I did have a guy years ago who, who died twice during brain surgery and went to heaven. Right. And that guy told me, and this is, yeah, I mean, there's millions of those stories. And this guy told me that after that experience, actually, after having actually been there and seen a light and Jesus and all that stuff, that, that mm-hmm. when he came back, he no longer has a fear of death. But that's like, that's reality. This hallucinogenic, that's a different story. Yeah, that's a different story. Like a hallucinogenic, right. you know, the, the, those, the most, probably most of those individuals don't have any, any, any spiritual element to them at all. That, how would they even know what God is if they don't practice any of that? You know, and they don't, and, right. and not, not in prayer on a regular basis. But real quick, you know, while we're on that topic, um, you know, another thing I talk about in this book, and I really do believe it's, there's evil, like God is being canceled in our society right now. And there's a reason I'm why sure. 29% of millennials have some kind of mental health disorder, 96% of no biblical worldview, and only a third of millennials claim to believe in God, where 96% of people in the 1940s and 50s said they believed in God. And here's the scariest part. Yeah. As a result of that, 70% of those millennials uh, reported in this study said that they lack meaning and purpose in life. Yeah, that's right. You're doomed to death. That's everything. If there's nothing beyond it, you're just doomed. And there is no hope. And that's no hope is the one reason why kids are killing themselves today. Yep. Well, Tom, thank you for helping open Absolutely. our eyes and open many parents' eyes to what is going on. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Well, our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Tom Kirstein. To find out more about Tom and his work, go to TomKirstein.com. That's Tom K-E-R-S-T-I-N-G. Dot com, And also look for his book, 
Raising Healthy Teenagers, Equipping Your Child to Navigate the Pitfalls and Dangers of Teen Life. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, our year-long Christ-centered, wilderness-based residential program for troubled teens. If you need help with your troubled teen, learn more about Shepherds Hill when you visit licensedtoparent.org. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.